Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. Hello. Are you depressed? Are you feeling down? Are you feeling blue? We're here to help you. You are not alone. Post-football depression syndrome. Is it a real thing? Are we alone? And feeling that on a Tuesday home and home, a radio.com sports original, a depressing Tuesday. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. Nothing going to bum you out about their services. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania. He is feeling down. He is feeling blue. We're going to dive into the home markets of Boston and Los Angeles this morning to get the latest on the L.A. football scene Can they support two football teams? And where is Tom Brady headed? Is he going to Los Angeles? Dale Arnold, W-E-E-I in Boston, says 11 teams have kicked the tires on TB12. How in the world are there 11? We'll talk to Dale in just a few moments. We welcome in Ross Tucker here from Pennsylvania. Ross, post-football withdrawal syndrome feels real to me. I have been bummed out since before that game ended. I had a a sense of looming disaster and all day couldn't see through the clouds. It's real, man. The depression is real. Is it for you? Well, first of all, I'm not really feeling great. So I've learned in my 40 years of infinite wisdom that Once you have like a pain somewhere or you're sick, it actually trumps any other feelings. Like right now I'm sick, right? But if I smashed my finger with a hammer, I wouldn't be feeling sick at all. I'd be like, holy shit, I just smashed my finger, right? So I feel like we only have one thing we can really focus on from an ailment perspective at a time. So... It's a little bit difficult for me to get past, as my sister would say, this vicious man head cold. <laughs> my, my sister makes fun of my brother-in-law <laughs> because when he has a head cold, my sister's philosophy, she's four years old, her name's Bryn Dave. Her philosophy is that men are wimps when it comes to being sick, especially when there's a head cold and my sister when I talk to her if my brother-in-law's sick she'll be like Ross I can't talk long mm. Christian has Christian has a man cold it's it's been touch and go the last few we don't know if he's going to make it <laughs> I don't know about this I I don't know so I think you just might be a wuss now I think you are tougher than the average bear clearly when it comes to stepping out there on the football field and probably taking a punch but are men weaker when it comes to the common cold or the head cold no absolutely not not in my house I mean when my wife is sick 
shut it down, man. Like she's up in bed. She can't function when I'm sick. I, I plow through it now. I've got, but I do like your one ailment at a time theory. When you have a headache, there are people that pinch a part of their hand to fool the brain to concentrate on a pain elsewhere. So I think there is some truth to that. Um, but I think generally speaking, I don't think men or women, I don't know, is there a double standard when it comes to taking the pain of a cold? I've got my own pain to concentrate on. So maybe that's why. I actually feel better about my post-football withdrawal syndrome today than I did yesterday. I went and got a massage yesterday, which, Ross, I do quite often. I'm a big fan of the massage. I need a massage to function. But I feel a lot worse today after my massage than I did yesterday when I went in there. I've got this massive pain in my shoulder, in my neck. It goes down midway through my back. If you're watching us on the radio.com app, I've got my little heat pad that I throw in the microwave. I'm going to throw it back down on that pain in my neck. This is 40, bro. Or in my case, this is 43. And it ain't pretty. <laughs> so first of all, when you uh, put the heat pack up there with that T-shirt on, your arm looks kind of jacked. So that's a pretty good look <laughs> for you in that T-shirt. So just keep flexing as you keep messing with your with your I'll heat just, pack uh... there. Um, secondly, we just went from you being sick, oh. as you say, uh, you said, you know, I'm a wuss when it comes to being sick, and in the same token. You're complaining about your neck hurting worse after a massage. Uh, I, I think maybe I'm winning on that one, Dave. Um, you know, it's weird. I never miss anything because I'm sick. So I push through, but I probably complain about it a little bit. I probably say like to my wife last night, I got to go to bed. Went to bed at like 730, uh, was not feeling well. My, my wife just pushes through. She doesn't even complain when she's sick. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just a, uh, maybe that's just me and my brother-in-law. But my, my, my sister, the way she describes it, saying it's touch and go, not sure if he's going to make it, just cracks me up every time. I, I will say this, though, Dave. Sunday morning, the feeling yeah. you discussed that is how I feel Super Bowl Sunday every year. It is the most bittersweet day of the year for me. I absolutely love the sport of football. I love going to games and getting paid to call them. I love watching it on television. It's what I did. It's what I do. Love it. And more so than any other sports, once it's over... There are legitimately seven months until there's another football game of consequence. I guess now, late August, there's some college football games. But, I mean, there's almost a full seven months. Now, I will say this, Dave. I have mixed emotions about that, right? Because on the one hand, football is by far my favorite sport. And I'm going to miss it dearly on the other hand you know i now am free on monday nights thursday nights sunday nights to do other things with my family whatever and in fact this past weekend was like the first weekend since 
late July, I think, that I was home the whole weekend. It was kind of nice. It, it was kind of interesting. We we went out to dinner as a family. Like, it was kind of cool. So I actually know what it's like to be a parent and home with the family on weekends. So I look forward to that. That's a, So there's, there's pros and cons for me, I guess I would say. But it doesn't take very long before I'm wishing there was a football game on. Yeah, I think not knowing what to do with your time is difficult. And for me, the most difficult time is dead time, is empty time, time to sit around and think. I, I, I do enjoy the the added time with my family, but I get, quite frankly, more time with my family than just about any human being on earth. So with all due respect to my family, I don't need more of that. I don't think they need me around more. I don't travel to games like you. So yes, I certainly do watch Thursday, Sunday night, Monday night, and all day Sunday, but I'm still around my family. I'm not missing an action, not traveling to games as you do. So I don't think they need me around anymore. So what we have is a couple of things that could make you feel better. There's the time with your family. There is... The NFL draft, 78 days from now. We don't want to concentrate on next NFL season because that is 218 days away. 218 days before we have NFL football back in our life. So we cannot concentrate on that number. That would just feel like an eternity. What might make some of you feel better is XFL season is right around the corner. It kicks off this weekend. It's never really filled the void for people, whether it was the whichever league that has started up and failed quickly, not last XFL time, not the American Football League. Um, so the XFL starts this weekend. I don't think, I hope it succeeds. I love football. I hope it succeeds in all its glory and fills the void in our life. I don't think it will. I don't think we'll ever turn to another league to fill the hole left by the void of the NFL. Do you think that regardless of how successful this league is, can anything ever truly fill that NFL void in your life? I don't think the XFL or last year, the AAF can fill the void, but I would describe it, Dave, as easing the pain. And it was kind of nice last mm. year when the AAF was on. Number one, I enjoyed those games, but in a weird way, Dave, it was nice to be able to pick and choose when I watched football. In other words, AAF game was on. Nah, I got to go do something. AAF game's on. Okay, I'll watch it. You know, when there's an NFL game on, I, I have to watch it. And I'm, and I'm happy to, don't get me wrong, but I need to watch it. I mean, I'm going to talk about it the next day here and a million other places, especially when there's a standalone game. I need to watch that game. I have to. AAF is different, and now the XFL will be that way, where it'll be more of a curiosity, more of a, I want to see what it's like, I want to check it out, but I don't have to watch every second because I'm not necessarily going to be talking about what happened on the eighth play of the third quarter on next Monday's Home and Home after the XFL debuts this weekend. I'll watch it. I'll be I'll be interested in it. See how the television differs. I thought the AAF 
had some really cool different rules. I thought the Sky Judge was awesome. The XFL has some cool different things. I'm curious to see those in practice. Curious to see how the XFL compares to the AAF. And I hope it's successful. I hope it's successful for the guys playing, that there's more opportunities to play football for money. I think it'd ultimately be good for the NFL if there were was another solid spring professional league. And I think it'd be good for us if there was another place to put our eyeballs on the weekends. Because for me, Dave, I don't know about you, yeah. but for me, this is kind of how my sports calendar works. Right after the NFL season... This is kind of when college basketball season starts for me. In earnest, if you will. I've kind of been following it along. But I kind of dive into college hoops now for the next two months. You know, like the end of the regular season. And then, you know, conference tournament week. And then the NCAA tournament March Madness. I like to get involved in college hoops then. Then after the Final Four... Then I put more attention on the NBA as they get closer to the end of their regular season. And again, I know who's good. Like, I'm watching it. But I'm not – I don't make it my priority. Like – and by the way, football, NFL in particular, is always number one. Whatever the news is, Vernon Davis retiring, whatever. Uh, But I go from NFL to college hoops – really probably to the NFL draft, then to the NBA playoffs, then to full-fledged swimming and drinking season this summer. That's about how mine works as well. I dive full-on into college hoops right now and haven't paid much attention up to this point. Now it's a little more difficult to get into college hoops right now, in particular because you have seven number one teams already, and we are just early in February. That's more than all of last season. You have no true stars in college basketball. I mean, this isn't to test, but I mean, can you name five college basketball players in the country right now? I'm assuming not. And that's not a knock on you or anyone else. I'm guessing no one in our audience could either. Um, no, I don't think I could. No. no. And, and that's because there is a true void, not just a void of football in our life, but there is a void of true stars in college basketball right now and a void of true excellent teams, which theoretically, we've talked about this before with football, with baseball, with basketball. People always say they want parity and they love parity and equality in sports. They don't. They love great teams. They need someone to root for, but they really need someone to root against. And college basketball does not have that in any way, shape, or form. They just don't have great teams. And right now they don't have great players. And in part, that is because too many guys are leaving college early to go on to the next level. Far too many players Leaving early. Interesting uh, from one of the millennials here, XFL slogan ideas. Yeah, we should get some nice XFL slogan ideas. Easing the pain. Not sure that has a nice ring to it, though. Uh, Speaking of which, what would be a good XFL slogan? I think Fox started it right. They did it right, which is Fox had the campaign during the Super Bowl of post-withdrawal a post-football withdrawal syndrome. They nailed it with this promotion because all of us do feel a little bit of post-football depression syndrome. If you think we're all bummed out, though, 
about football leaving our lives for the next 213 days? How about in San Francisco? How about where they are truly dealing with not just the void of the game being gone, but having a Super Bowl ripped from your hands? You are already imagining your celebration. You are already imagining the parade that was going to roll through San Francisco. Imagine that. A 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. You could already taste it. You could already feel it and see the celebrations. And then it is gone. Let's listen in. 95-7, the Bay Area in San Fran, where fans are trying to deal with the loss. Oh, man, this is devastating, guys. Man, that was terrible, man. I mean, the trail's free well, man. Bunch of choke artists, man. You got Jimmy G overthrowing Sanders, man, with the end of the game. You got the coach, man, calling bad Deacon Dunn plays. They couldn't even get it down the field. I didn't know what was going on. I gave the defense props, though, man. They held it down for three and a half damn quarters, man. And so I love that. Front row was doing their job, but it's terrible all around. They played nervous, man. You got to have confidence. You ain't got confidence, you ain't got nothing, man. At the end of the day, like, I'd love to see Kyle play their best running back. Oster did not play until the second quarter. Like, why he insists on playing their third best running back, maybe their fourth best running back, in Coleman, because he played from Atlanta. But, like, play your best guy. Like, you want to run the ball? Like, the guy ran for 300 yards last week. Richard Sherman didn't show up. He got bullied by everybody that showed up in front of him. Jimmy Garoppolo did not show anything that was like, hey, I'm going to lead you guys. Let's go. No. He was scared. He made bad decisions. Man, I'm disappointed, and I'm going to tell you why. We up 20 to 10. They got the ball twice with 20 to 10. All they got to do is score one touchdown. That game is over. All right? In the end of the first half, you got an opportunity. If you got a good quarterback, an Aaron Rodgers, any top 10 quarterback, you got 135, you go get them points. At the end of the day, man, you paying this guy all this money. You have to trust your quarterback. And Jimmy was awful. He's an F. You lost. You didn't play well. You turned the ball over. You looked shook. Jimmy needs to he needs to work on this game, man. He cost the Niners the Super Bowl. Him and Kyle Shanahan. If you're gonna pay this guy, you're gonna start it. You have to trust him. I'm not the biggest Jimmy fan, but I'm not paying him this money. It's where we start the radio.com red zone in the Bay Area at 95-7. The game out there on the West Coast. Uh Ross, can you make San Francisco fans feel any better about their depression. They have no football in their lives. The the Golden State Warriors stink, and now they've got that, that feeling of despair having a Super Bowl ripped from their grip. Imagine the depression setting in for football fans in the Bay Area like Joe Shasky. Can you make them feel any better? Yeah, I can try. Um, and and my response would be, your team was four and twelve last year, and you just went to the Super Bowl. You had an unbelievable year. You won the NFC. You went to the Super Bowl, and you lost. I think part of it, Dave, is Niners fans aren't really used to losing Super Bowls. If you think about it, they won their first five. Their first five, they were 5-0. and oh. And now, they've lost two in a row. 
and they're not really dealing with it very well, and maybe understandably so, it's a different feeling for them, and they know how long it took each time to get back there. So I don't know that what I'm saying, Dave, does make them feel that much better. You know, because I don't know that you look at the Niners and you think about the NFC and the Seahawks and Rams, the Packers and Vikings, the Eagles, maybe Cowboys. You know, you go right down the line, the Saints, and I don't know if you feel great if you are the Niners or a Niners fan about their chances to get back there next year. I mean, so much has to go your way. I mean, just think about this for a second, Dave, okay? Think about that Week 17 game for the 49ers in Seattle. And the Seahawks get to the one-yard line. Then they have the delay of game. They throw the ball to Hollister. Clear pass interference. It's not called. Then they throw the ball to Hollister, and he gets smoked at the one-inch line by Dre Greenlaw. But the Niners were one inch away from being the five seed. One foot away on three different plays from being the five seed, having to win three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. And let me just tell you, I don't think that was going to happen. I don't think that was going to happen at all. So I don't think I'm doing a very good job, Dave. Of making Niners fans feel better because I think that they missed a golden opportunity. And I think the odds that they get back there again next year are really small, really small. Yeah, I think San Francisco should actually make other cities feel good about their chances of getting to the Super Bowl. I can't make them feel better at all, other than the fact that there's a lot of young pieces there. No one's leaving on a big contract. It doesn't appear right now. So all the pieces are in place to continue to win and continue to have a chance. But in terms of what San Francisco did, I think it ought to make you feel better if you are five or ten different teams in the NFC, not really in the AFC because you've got the Chiefs. I think because you've taken a team with, okay, a better than, a slightly better than average quarterback, and you've rode that all the way to the Super Bowl, and even a slightly better than average group of running backs had the number one rushing attack in the NFL. So when you look at, or, or second uh, to the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, but when you look at the collective group there, I think there's something as another city that makes you feel like we can get to the Super Bowl. If you are Dallas, for example, if you are Philly, if you are a number of Seattle, I think you can feel good about what San Francisco accomplished. The reason I've been so bummed out about the Chiefs, again, I'm a Broncos fan who has to stare up at Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 or 15 years. There's nothing you can emulate about what the Chiefs did. Number one, they have a once-in-a-generation type of quarterback at the position, so you can't emulate that. There is not a guy that you can go to the NFL draft and find. There might be one. It might be Burrow. Okay, it might be Tua. But most teams will never have a chance to draft a player like that. And you've also got the second best head coach in the game today. So I think Kansas City ought to make you feel bummed out as another football fan. But San Francisco ought to make other cities feel like the Super Bowl is attainable. Neither of us is making sports fans in the Bay Area feel any better. I've got some news later in the program that really doesn't 
look good about the city, the passion, the football fans in San Francisco. You have called them um, fair weather fans. And I got the numbers to back that up. That's going to come later on the program when we do some news. But when we talk about depression, on the flip side of it, there is crying for pure joy. Have you ever cried? Have you ever been so happy for your team that you cried? Is it okay to cry for your team's victory? Well, uh, Modern Family star Eric Stone Street, he is a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. And if you saw the postgame celebration uh, on NFL Network or ESPN, there were two celebrities down there on the field. Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, who was awesome celebrating with the Chiefs, and Eric Stone Street. Well, Stone Street last night was on Jimmy Kimmel along with Damian Williams, who, who they talked about him being the MVP, which I still believe he was. Stone Street was asked by Jimmy Kimmel if he has ever cried, if he did cry after the Chiefs' first Super Bowl win in 50 years, here's what he said with a very hoarse voice, mind you. Eric, did you cry at the end of the game? Yeah, I cried at the end of the game. Uh-huh. I cried after the end of the game. <laughs> I cried this morning in bed, looking at my girlfriend's post that she made on Instagram alone in Miami. I cried backstage right now looking at some pictures. Here's, here's the thing, though, man. And, and this is just one of the guys on the Kansas City Chiefs, but him in, the, in that moment with that, that other player, that's what being a Chief is all about. It's class and respect of your opponent and playing with all your heart, and that's what Lamar Hunt created. That's what Clark Hunt has shepherded, but to bring this back to Kansas City, man, the Super Bowl trophy that Lamar Hunt named yeah. that Super Bowl. And this guy on his shoulders, we did it with Patrick Mahomes. He's going to cry at the parade because he's going to feel the love of Kansas City, and he's going to see what he means to this city along with other, other Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Eric Stone Street, modern family star on Jimmy Kimmel. No voice left from his celebration, but talks about crying on several occasions after the Chiefs win. And that, folks, is the beauty of sports. A guy that has nothing to do with the Chiefs, but he feels so much passion to see his team win a Super Bowl that he was brought to tears on numerous occasions. I've seen that several times in my life, in particular covering the Boston Red Sox run to the 2004 World Series. There were tears everywhere, all over over Boston, generations of Red Sox fans crying together. Yes, I have cried after my team winning. It happened once. It after the Broncos won the Super Bowl, beating the Panthers, sat there with my wife 10 rows up at the Super Bowl, and we were both brought to tears. I think in several cases, just feeling the emotions of Peyton Manning and of John Elway and of Pat Bolin and of our team and being so close to it. Ross, that's emotion I'm guessing you've never felt as a fan because you are a former player. Have you ever cried, though, first as a player or as a fan? Cried in joy. Yeah, th this is great. I I'm actually surprised, Dave, you didn't cry in 1996 when the Broncos beat the Packers and the Broncos won the Super Bowl for the first time and Pat Bowen said, this one's for John, I would have thought that you, you were like, you know, 20 years old, that that would have been a moment for you. 
it was such a party. It was such a drinking scene, a, a celebratory dog pile scene that if I watched it like in a, in a setting, you know, with my family or something, a more quiet, subtle setting, tears would have been shed. But because of the environment that I was in, the tears didn't come until John Elway retired. Then baby, it was, it was flowing all over, man. When John Elway retired, I don't think I've cried so much in my life in terms of a sports experience. So um, I, can remi- I can remember several times crying from losing as a fan and as a player. Um, in terms of winning, as a player, I remember once in high school – uh, out of almost a sense of relief because we almost lost a game that we should not have lost. I remember after we won a huge game, I don't remember crying right after the game, but a couple af- a couple hours after the game, after several adult beverages, I remember crying, talking about the game and what we were able to do. Um, college... You know, one big win senior year. I'm, I'm not sure if I cried or not there. Um, NFL, I think a little bit when uh, maybe when I started for the Cowboys against the Redskins on Thanksgiving and we beat them because I had been cut by the Redskins a month earlier. And it was just kind of like an emotional thing. But the time I remember for sure, um, you know, my eyes filling up was actually broadcasting, Dave, if you can believe that. Um, In 2012, my high school won the state football championship in Pennsylvania, and I was the broadcaster. And when they won at the end, they came to me, and I was on camera, and I talked about how much that meant to everybody who had grown up there and anybody who had ever played for why missing my eyes filled up. I don't think you could tell, uh, on the broadcast, like it wasn't like tears coming down, but my wife was in the booth with me. She could tell like my eyes just filled up as I was talking about the a field and, uh, you know, how much that meant to so many people. Wait, did you win a state championship or was this the first one you had been a part of? No, I never did. Uh, Only Uh, one team, only one team from my county has ever won the state football championship. And it was my high school in 2012 when I was the broadcaster. So this is eight years ago or whatever. I was the broadcaster for the game on the Pennsylvania Cable Network And to see those guys who, by the way, Dave, I knew so many of them when they were five, six and seven, you know, like I knew those kids when they were little boys and they kind of looked up to us. And I used to, when I was in the NFL, I'd go back to camps and I, I kind of watched them come through and we knew they were going to be a good group. Um, But, you know, there's just something so personal Like, I'm getting goosebumps. My legs have goosebumps all over them right now just talking about it. Uh, It's just hard to explain if you're not from there. You know, often, Dave, the state champions are from Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, the two biggest cities. You know, we're not. 
We're about an hour, hour and a half west of Philadelphia. So you don't get, it's very hard to win state championships from where we're from. And it just meant everything to everybody. And it's hard to explain unless you're from there. Okay. So, so I guess my question is, is it more acceptable to cry after a win or more acceptable to cry after a loss? I don't want to see tears after a loss. I like tears of joy. Here are some tears of joy. Kansas City Sports Radio 610 as we return to our radio.com red zone and the fans calling in to 610 about shedding many tears watching their team win that first Super Bowl in five decades. Listen here. 785 says, I cried when my grandmother passed. I married my wife. My children were born and when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I didn't, didn't have the Royals in there, too. You didn't have the Royals in there? <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't cry. Last night you didn't cry? No. I mean, I, I got a little misty. I got a little, I got a little choked up. I was, I, it was more so for Andy Reid, too. Like when I saw him kind of getting a little choked up. If, I, had, if up. I hadn't have been working the game, I probably would have cried. But I was, I, was, I was trying to maintain professionalism. Now, like leading up to the game, like some of the, some of the things around it, like I was sitting there thinking, oh, man, it's just insane. But I've watched so many Super Bowls and I've never seen my team play in the Super Bowl. Like getting some, some of that effect, like leading up to the game was there. But now once the game was, was, was I, underway, it was, it was go time. I, I, think it's, I think it's okay to cry, Josh. You were working last night. That's fine because the first Super Bowl I covered was when the Patriots beat the Rams. And that was the first time the Patriots had ever won the Super Bowl. And there were dudes down there from, the, from their media crying after the game. about, Oh, my God, I never thought we'd get here. Now, 20 years later, nobody wants you here. But like that day, that, that guy, I'll never forget, his name was Pete Shepard of our sister station, WEEI at the time, was crying. And I'm looking at this guy and going, wow, this really is emotional for you. This is kind of cool. Radio.com, Red Zone there in Kansas City, Sports Radio 610. Ross, which is more acceptable to you? You've done both, apparently, crying after a win, crying after a loss. I'm not a huge fan of crying after a loss. I've seen my son do it, and I'd rather him get angry rather than shed tears after a loss. Well, first of all, I would say that both are acceptable, I am a believer that any human emotion is okay and acceptable and doesn't make you any more or less of a man or any of that stuff. You know, the things in life, I don't want to go on a big diatribe here, but the things in life that make you a man are being a good husband, being a good father, being responsible, doing the right thing. You know, treating other people like you would like to be treated. Those are the things that make you a man or not. Not whether or not you cry. I thought Jim Valvano said it right when he said, laugh, cry. I I embrace every human emotion. I think that's the way it was intended. I think we are all more comfortable with happy tears because, you know, that's, that's a good thing. That's a positive. That's, that's something went well. So we're all happy with that. That seems to be more socially acceptable. Um, you know, I do remember crying a couple times from losses off the top of my head. One was the last game of my high school career. 
because of the way it ended and the fact that it was over. And although I feel like I was more stunned than crying now that I look back on that one. And one time, senior year against Colgate, I was just so frustrated. It wasn't like that we lost. It was just so frustrating the manner in which we lost. And I was so upset. Uh, I just remember losing it and, and flipping out on everybody in the locker room. And while I was on the field, we were down 28 to three. I was just trying to assassinate guys on the field. I was so frustrated. And then after the game, I, I just, I lost it. It's weird because it wasn't like a league game. It wasn't like a close game. I don't know why that, that one uh, did it for me. One of the unique things about sports and why we love it, because it can bring you to tears of joy and it can bring you to tears of sheer sadness and depression. Not many things in life can do that. Just another reason, folks. We love sports. What do you think? Is it okay to cry after a win? More acceptable after a loss at RDC Home and Home. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Dale Arnold, WEEI Sports Radio in Boston, about the 11 teams rumored to be interested in Tom Brady and some news from WEEI this morning. A moving truck outside Brady's Massachusetts mansion. We'll talk to Dale Arnold, talk some Hall of Fame after a break. But first, we'll talk about Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz, who experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 11 teams said to be interested in Tom Brady's services for the 2020 season. Can we possibly count 11 teams that could use Tom Brady next season? We'll try to get there and we'll talk to Dale Arnold, WEEI Sports Radio in Boston, who had that report and ask him what he makes of a moving van outside Tom Brady's Massachusetts mansion. It's a football absence Tuesday. It's a depressed Tuesday, we're trying to fill the void. How do you fill that void of football? Is it with the XFL, college hoops? Is it with family time? Is it with the NBA? We'll talk more about that throughout the program. It's a homeandhomeradio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, he is home in Pennsylvania. We'll go to the home markets of the Los Angeles Chargers slash LA Rams. 
talk about the future of football in L.A. And as I mentioned, Dale Arnold, WEI Sports Radio in Boston, because they're all about the Tom Brady buzz there. And Dale added to it by a report suggesting 11 teams would be interested in Tom Brady's services next season if he were to leave the Patriots in free agency. Now, of course, Ross, the big earth-shattering news was the Hulu ad. Tom Brady teased it on Instagram, left everyone guessing, is that Instagram shot of him walking into Gillette Stadium a hint that he is leaving, a hint that he is staying, or is it just an ad? And in the end, yes, it was just an ad for Hulu. But Ross, it was one in which he said at the end, I'm not going anywhere. Before we try to count 11 teams, what did you make of the Hulu ad and the ending where he said, in fact, I'm not going anywhere? Well, the first thing I make of it is I'm always beyond curious how much money he gets paid for these things. Because there's just no way he comes cheap. And for him to do something like that, it's got to be a lot. And you know what? Hulu got a lot of buzz from it, so it was probably worth it. I think it's been pretty clear, Dave, that he wants to keep playing and he's going to come back. At this point, it would be a gigantic upset if he, in fact, retired. And the reason is he is one of the few players, if any, whose career longevity is directly related to the next thing they want to do with their career, right? Like, you want to be an actor or something? All right, you know, retire whenever you want, Gronk or whoever, you know. If you want to be a broadcaster, all right, Drew Brees can retire and go be a broadcaster. But Tom Brady's longevity only serves to reinforce his chosen vocation after football we believe which is tb12 and the method of uh, nutrition and lifestyle so him playing isn't really just for the championships anymore dave it's for the business championships and the significant money he can generate in his post-football life which by the way is why i think he's either playing for the patriots or the Chargers. Those are the two that make the most sense to me by far. And I'd be surprised if you ended up playing for someone other than those teams. I agree. I think the concept of taking TB12 by Coastal has to be an attractive prospect for Tom Brady in the business model. He will be 43 next season. All right, so let's talk about this with Dale Arnold of Sports Radio WEEI in Boston, our good friend. Uh, And Dale, good to have you on the program. Let's first all listen to this Hulu ad on Super Bowl Sunday, and then we'll interpret it. Here's the Hulu ad Sunday. They say all good things must come to an end. That the best just know when to walk away. So to my teammates, my family, and most of all, my fans, you deserve to hear this from me. Hulu doesn't just have live sports. According to the script they just gave me, 
Hulu also has your favorite cable channels plus the greatest shows, movies, and originals of all time. So it's time to say goodbye to TV as you know it. But me? I'm not going anywhere. And with that, the intrigue, I'm not going anywhere. Dale Arnold, Sports Radio WEI in Boston. Great to talk to you, my friend. Been a while. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. What did you make of the closing line in that ad that Brady's not going anywhere? Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, there were two closing lines. Uh, One hit the cutting room floor, and that was the one that that survived. Uh, Hulu even admitted uh, the, the closing line was meant to engender exactly what we're doing. (laughs) <laughs> attention, people playing the Hulu ad when they don't have to pay for it. Uh, we did the same thing yesterday, by the way, on our show. That's not a criticism of you guys when you do that. Uh, you had a, a very creative copywriter for Hulu who tried to get the most bang buck or her buck uh, when they wrote this ad for Tom Brady. Uh, for the rest of the country, that line seemed to have, oh, my God, Tom Brady's playing next year. For those of us who are here, he's been telling us that he's playing next year for a year now. It's just nobody wants to listen. So uh, it got a lot of bang for their buck, and it got a lot of attention. But uh, I think all he's saying is, I'm playing next year. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess you could, Dale, if you chose to, you could interpret it as he's playing for the New England Patriots. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, Ross, believe me, Patriots fans are seizing on that and any other thing they can seize on, you know, to indicate that Tom Brady's returning to the team. Uh, I think that the, the folks at Hulu left it intentionally ambiguous so that, you know, people would do exactly what you just did, which is a perfectly valid way of looking at it. Uh, I, I, I don't think if, if that's the case, there's anything to be gained by, you know, delaying this negotiation between the Patriots and Tom Brady. Ian Rappaport reported yesterday uh, that the, the word was the Patriots were prepared to go to $30 million or more to keep Brady. Well, I would think this negotiation would take about four minutes if that's the case. And the fact that it hasn't happened indicates that there's still you know, some road to be trod here. Talking to Dale Arnold, Sports Radio WEEI in Boston. And Dale, the news this morning from EEI is that a moving truck spotted outside Brady's Massachusetts mansion packing up stuff. What do you make of that? Oh, the house is for sale. It's been for sale for a while. Uh, you know, whether he plays here next year or plays somewhere else next year, uh, they were going to put the Brookline home up for sale either way. Uh, I know there have been conflicting reports about whether he and Giselle have purchased a home in Greenwich. I have been told by pretty reliable sources they have not. But they've got homes in Montana, Costa Rica, Manhattan. I'm sure they've got places that they can put this. Uh, the secondary report about the moving truck thing was that uh, the indication was they were removing art objects. I'm sure that they've got paintings or sculptures or whatever. Uh, things that you want to get out of the house before people start traipsing through it. Uh, try to decide whether or not they're going to pay the exorbitant price being asked for. You know, it's interesting, Dale, just hearing the level of detail that you have and the discussion there. I mean, this has got to be the biggest story in Boston since what? Since when? (laughs) Well, I mean, look, we've, we've got a sponsored element every single day, the Tom Brady watch. Of course, it's a gigantic thing around here. Uh, you know, you'd have to go way back for folks, you know, to have, you know, Bobby Orr leaving the Bruins and going to the Chicago Blackhawks 
where you have, you know, arguably, well, or was the biggest star in the game back then, Brady, one of, if not the biggest star in the game now, arguably the greatest quarterback who ever played. You know, if his 20-year career comes to a close here and he ends up finishing things off, off as you said, with, with the Los Angeles Chargers or someone else, it would be a gigantic deal around here. So everybody's paying pretty close attention. It's certainly spiced up our offseason. I mean, the Red Sox truck left for spring training yesterday. It was barely a blip on the radar down there. So we talk about the Chargers. We talk about Vegas and a couple of other teams with Dale Arnold Sports Radio, WEEI in Boston. You reported that double-digit teams have shown interest in Tom Brady's services next season. How do you come to the number of 11? Um, and, and do you know the 10-plus teams that are interested? Well, as everybody knows, the quote-unquote legal tampering period, which is an oxymoron, obviously, the legal tampering period begins March 16th. But no one is naive enough to think that no team ever expresses an interest to a potential free agent prior to March 16th. Uh, there are always back-channel ways of indicating an interest. Uh, you know, some of the teams that I think have expressed an interest you know, there's, there's kind of this, depending on what happens, we could be interested sort of thing. For instance, uh, the New Orleans Saints are on my list. I mean, my guess is they'd probably prefer to re-sign Drew Brees. But if Drew Brees, A, retires, or B, moves on, hey, Tom, then we'd be interested in having you come down here. Uh, I was told as many as 11 teams, some of them are just like that one. Uh, the Cowboys are on the list. And again, this has to do with Dak Prescott. Uh, if he continues to think he's a $40 million a year quarterback, does Jerry Jones move on? It appears at this point that he's going to just franchise him anyway. But early on in the process, I think it was, hey, if things don't work out for our guy here, Tom, we could be interested. A couple of the names on the list surprised me, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, the Jets and Giants were both on the list. Now, the Jets probably make a little more sense, I guess. First of all, I mean, they probably can't think of another way they can beat the Patriots in the AFC East unless they bring their quarterback down there. You know, you look at the Giants and you think they've got their young quarterback for the future, but they've got a brand-new coach, Joe Judge, who came from here, who goes in there, does his evaluation of the franchise, and may well say to the Giants, look, I like this kid too, but he's not ready yet. Uh, give him a year or two to learn at the, at the feet of Tom Brady. Then that kid's going to be something. Uh, I was also told the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, interestingly enough, Peter King told our show last week, he thinks the Buccaneers are the sleeping giant in this whole thing. You've got Bruce Arians, a very creative offensive coach. You've got terrific offensive skill position players. Uh, you've got a quarterback there who threw 30 interceptions last year. Think about that for a minute. Roll that number around in your head. I could see where Arians would absolutely be interested uh, everybody's talked about the Raiders. And, you know, the fact of the matter is John Gruden is, is enamored of a guy like Brady. And the splash you can make in a brand-new market in Las Vegas, if you had that guy all over the billboards, all over the Strip, and all over the, the state of Nevada. Other teams that I've heard of expressed interest include the Redskins, the Bears, the Chargers, as Ross said, uh, the Titans, and the Dolphins. Uh, now, some of those have a more realistic chance than others, but I think that those are at least some of the teams, and that number may have gone up since last week, uh, but at least some of the teams that have expressed some level of interest in signing Brady. 
Uh, you know, Dale, I'm curious, what do you think he wants to do? My gut feeling, and that's all I've got here because I haven't talked to him at all. My gut feeling is, in a perfect world, he'd like to return to the Patriots, begin and end his career in New England, whether it's 21, 22, 23 years, whatever it is. Uh, you know, be, paired, be paid fairly, but not exorbitantly, but also get an improvement in the position players around him that was woefully lacking this past season. Look, Brady wasn't the same guy at the age of 42 that he was previous. Anybody who watched him play all season long as we did understands that. But how much of that was Tom Brady? How much of that was a woefully performing offensive line? Nobody could have predicted David Andrews was going to develop blood clots in the preseason and miss the whole year. Nobody could predict Isaiah Wynn was going to start the year on IR and, and you know, miss a lot of time. When you look at those sorts of things, I think he, he's looking at it saying, we need better help at wide receiver. We've got nobody at tight end. And unless those things improve, is it worth it for me to come back and finish out my career in New England? Talking to Dale Arnold. Follow him at Dale E. Arnold there at Sports Radio WEI in Boston. So what could they add? When you look at names around the league, there's not a lot of them. Perhaps Amari Cooper becomes available from the uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Not sure the tight end market gives him a lot of options. What could the Patriots sign that makes Tom Brady want to return there? And if there is a favorite for you of those 11 teams, which one is it? See, Dave, I think you've hit on it. The free agent field is not very deep, and it's not very attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to make realistic additions to the skill position set here that actually improve the team, the most viable way to do that is through the, the trade market. And that's where, obviously, it gets dicey. Bill Belichick could sit across the desk from Tom Brady and say, Tom, we're going after Stephon Diggs. We're going to try to talk Cleveland into trading Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't mean anything. Uh, a, do the Vikings and the Browns want to trade those guys? B, if they do, they're going to get a lot of offers. You know, C, who says that, that Belichick's going to have enough to offer to land one of those guys? It's why this is a particularly dicey situation here. There aren't good tight ends in the free agent market. I mean, Greg Olson, I guess, theoretically, you could try to bring him back. Uh, you know, the fact that Bill Belichick was at Rob Gronkowski's beach party Saturday in Miami got people wondering if Belichick was going to try to lure him out of retirement. He could have been doing that at any point leading up till now. Uh, I, I think that they would like to add to the skill position set, but you've hit upon the, the problem here. The free agent wide receiver and tight end market is not very good. What did you make, Dale, of the report on Sunday that the Patriots are willing to pay Tom Brady $30 million a year? Because it kind of feels like if that's the case, I'd almost be surprised if he doesn't go back. It almost felt like a public relations ploy to me so that if Tom Brady ends up signing with the Saints or the Chargers or whoever, the Patriots can say, hey, we wanted him. We offered him a lot of money. It was his decision to not sign here. You know, it's not our fault. Uh, you know, the, the problem is they had a chance a year ago to, in effect, sign him to the Drew Brees contract. Two years, $50 million, all guaranteed. He'd have signed it. We wouldn't be having this discussion. Bill Belichick wasn't interested. He wanted a one-year deal. Why do I suddenly believe at this point that Belichick wants to look at a two-year deal and go to 30 or top $30 million a year? I think Robert Kraft might be willing financially to do that. 
I think Robert Kraft also defers those decisions to Bill Belichick, as he probably should. And I'm not sure there's any indication, Ross, that, that Belichick has suddenly decided, okay, we wouldn't give him $50 million last year, but we'll give him $60 million this year to make sure he doesn't go. Well, that was going to be my last question is, what do we know or what do we think Belichick wants? It's, to me, it's the $64,000 question here. And I've been saying this on our show you know, virtually every single day. Do you think Bill Belichick wants Tom Brady back? I have no idea what Belichick thinks of Jared Stidham. Uh, you know, we almost never even get to see him. The, the one game highlight, quote unquote, that he had this year, he was throwing a pick six. Uh, you know, does he think Jared Stidham's ready to ascend to the number one role? I doubt it, but I don't know that. You know, does he, is he enamored of the free agent quarterback market out there? And by the way, if he is, he's probably going to have to pay Teddy Bridgewater, just using that as an example, close to what he'd have to pay Brady. Why would he want to do that? You know, does he want to go trade for Andy Dalton? I've heard that one out there. Why? Uh, I, you know, everything is in the hands of Belichick, I think. I think Robert Kraft gives him all the decision-making power, and none of us know. We're all guessing whether Belichick wants this guy back as a stick or not. Talking to Dale Arnold, Sports Radio, WEI in Boston. If that's not enough off-season intrigue for the entire city and region, there's the question of sock star Mookie Betts, one of the best in the game today. Before we let you go, where is Mookie next season? I know Red Sox fans are dying to know. I was told late last week that basically the Red Sox and Dodgers had, had more or less completed the deal, that the Dodgers – correctly, in my opinion, said, look, we can't announce this trade when the L.A. Lakers are going to be honoring Kobe Bryant Friday night in their first game at the Staples Center since his passing. And, oh, by the way, the Super Bowl is Sunday. We can't do this till the beginning of next week. I know yesterday uh, Ken Rosenthal said it was done. It was virtually a done deal. He'd be shocked if it wasn't announced yesterday or today. I'm kind of in the same boat. I know Lou Merloni on our station has been talking about that as well. Uh, it appears that the Dodgers are your best bet. It appears that the deal has more or less been agreed to. And it appears that we're going to hear about that sometime today or tomorrow. Wow. I can only imagine Boston sports fans having lived there, seeing Brady go to the Chargers and Mookie go to the Dodgers. That is ugly. That is going to be a tough couple of months in the city of Boston and and our poll question this morning before we let you go is how you fill the void of the NFL being gone for 218 days Dale how do you fill it is it the XFL do you think this weekend college hoops is it family time some other hobby what do you do come on Briggs are you kidding me I host the Bruins games on TV what the hell do you think I'm doing <laughs> I got a game tonight against the Vancouver Canucks the Bruins are in Chicago tomorrow night the Bruins are one of the two best teams in the NHL. The Celtics are one of the four best teams in the NBA right now. we got enough to keep our, our attention locked in, at least until we can figure out who's going to manage the Red Sox, where Mookie Betts is going to land, where Tom Brady's going to land, and what kind of roster Belichick's going to put on the field next September. You got your hands full, brother. Dale Arnold, great to talk to you, my friend. Sports Radio WEEI in Boston. Good to have you on the program. Thanks so much, Dale. Thanks, fellas. Anytime. Talk to you soon. 
All right, we will. There's a lot to unpack there, and I know we got to sneak in a break, Ross. But first, the teams that were on the list, I think the big surprise to me when Dale mentions teams like the Giants and the Jets and the Cowboys and, and, and the Saints, a very different 11 than I had originally written down. What surprised you most about Dale's reporting? Um, yeah, I mean, there's several teams there that I, I would be very surprised by. Uh Saints, Giants, Jets, I just don't see those happening. Um, the Bears would surprise me. Look, I think he's going to the Chargers or staying with the Patriots. I've already said that. So a bunch of them as even being possibilities would surprise me, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm seeing them either. To me, it's the Patriots or it's the Chargers. I like that idea of TB12 going by coastal but wow. Also some shocking news from Dale that it sounds like the deal is done between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Mookie Betts also headed to Los Angeles. We will take a quick break here. When we come back, some news. What's in the news? We'll have some clues for Ross Tucker. See if he can decipher the latest news headlines. And also we're going to check in with our friends on the left coast because we do have a guest from the city of Los Angeles, Randy Cardoon, KNX 1070 in Los Angeles. Is Brady headed there? Is Mookie Betts headed there as well after a break? Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too. By signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. Home and home. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.